Our New Testament lesson for this morning comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Would you listen with me for the word of God? Now I would remind you, siblings in Christ, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which you also stand, through which you also are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I hand it on to you as, I for, of, as of first importance what I, in turn, had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the Twelve, And then he appeared to more than 500 siblings in Christ at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, and then to all of the apostles. He appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, And his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Wow, did you hear that? He appeared to more than 500 people at one time, including James and and then the Apostle Paul, who wished he could have been uh, uh, a disciple, but he was born too late. And his sins were too grievous, but God forgave him anyway. He says, I am who I am. How good is that? That's the message of this morning. For you, that God's tomb is empty so that you can be full. I invite you to stand for the gospel lesson today, which comes from the gospel of Mark. You can read about the resurrection story at the end of each of the gospels. I'm going to share with you uh, how Mark, how Matthew puts it in Matthew chapter 28. At the end of the Sabbath... On the early dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and Mary went to visit the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. And an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and went and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. For fear of him, the guards trembled, and they became like dead men. But Jesus said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, come see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that Jesus has risen. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Wow. We had 100 people in the parking lot this morning at 7 a.m. for the sunrise service, and they came honking their horns. Uh, The neighbors are going to be calling tomorrow. I'm just sure of that. Uh, but we had a good time, and uh, we, we've had a, 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 a good uh, uh, representation of people who haven't been to church for over a year. They're back, and I can tell you're smiling, not because of the masks, but because of your shining eyes. How good is that? It's so good to see you. It's so good to be here. And oh, how encouraging it is for folks like us here at the front. Um, I remember Daniel's first Sunday that he preached here in the church. It was, he preached to wood and cloth. And uh, so it, it is good to be back. We've got a ways to go, you know, but the signs of life are all around us. And that is the message of Easter. Oh, there's been so much to pull us down that we need to have a fresh awakening to the possibilities. We live in a world that is governed by measurement, by laws, by revenge, by people who would perpetrate evil. And we need to be able to shift to a university, to a universe of life and purpose and possibility. And I believe that's what Easter morning is all about. Now, one person I like to talk about on Easter, and that is Satan. I love to talk about Satan. I love to pick on him because, well, let's put it this way. Have you ever woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat after a dream you've had? that you would later classify as a nightmare? Yes, we've all had nightmares. Well, I'm here to tell you that Satan's worst nightmare came on the morning that Jesus rose from the dead. Satan had tried his best. Well, you can't honk your horn, but I I want you to help me with the sermon just a little bit. It it helps keep you from falling asleep, but it also helps remind you and emphasize why we're here. So uh, I'd like for you to say, every time I say Satan failed, I'd like for you to say, he is risen. Okay? All right. He tried to kill him when he was an infant, but Satan failed. He is risen. He tried to twist his purpose when he was in the desert 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted to go another way. But Satan failed. He is risen. He tried to get Jesus thrown off a cliff the time that he went back to Nazareth and proclaimed that he had come to set people free from their sins, to restore sight to the blind, to bring liberty to the oppressed. But Satan failed. He is risen. (laughs) Got a couple more, okay? Well, anyway, uh, throughout Jesus' ministry, he would encounter Satan time and time again through someone who was demon-possessed or uh, some other uh, people that would come against him. And with a word, he would cast out Satan. And so we can say each time, Satan failed. He is risen. And 
he failed again when Jesus was in the garden. Jesus was sorely tempted to give up the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. And he even prayed, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not mine. Yours be done. Can you imagine the evil one whispering in his ear, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do this. You can save yourself. But Jesus didn't listen. And Satan failed. He is risen. In fact, one person put it like this. Pilate couldn't fault him. The cross couldn't stop him. The tomb couldn't hold him. And Satan couldn't defeat him. One more time. Satan failed. He is risen. Now, what I'd like to, to encourage you to do is to not just say Satan failed. You can tell Satan to go home anytime you want. That's the only time you can swear. I'm not going there. But to rehearse a pattern of positive thinking, of life, and of possibility. Because there's enough to get us down. The Apostle Paul even struggled with that. He said, oh, the good I would do if I could only do it, but something gets in the way. He called it the power of sin. And he knew he was the chief of sinners, for he persecuted everyone who believed in Jesus until he met the master in a blinding light on the way to Damascus one day. And he said, I'm the chief of sinners. But by the grace of God, I am who I am. And the I am who I am is a forgiven child of God. I hope that when you get up in the morning and you go look in the mirror, first thing after you turn on the light, that what you see, you can be proud of. You can like who God made you to be. And you can convince yourself to walk away from this world of judgment and measurement and condemnation and walk into the universe of possibility, of life, of purpose. Uh, Children, you're, you're here. How many of your children know the story about the train who was riding along the tracks one day and he came to a big mountain and the train started to go up that mountain and he slowed down. And so what did the train say? I think I can't. I think I can't. I think I can't. I don't think I'm up to it. Am I right? I don't think so. It was the train who said, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And that's what the empty tube can do for you is to help reorient your life. That your heart can be full to overflowing because the tomb is empty. And I invite each of you to celebrate this day. And as you walk out this door to make a pact, not with the devil, but to make a pact with the Lord of life, 
to see the world as God sees it, not as the world sees it. To see your challenges as opportunities, to see those hard things that you have to face as possibilities, to see that someone walks with you and talks with you and tells you he walks with you and talks with you to give you strength. A while back, I shook hands with an atheist. Anybody ever shook hands with an atheist? If you ever get an opportunity, I hope you do. (laughs) I shook hands with an atheist. He knew I was a pastor, and he wanted me to be sure to know that he believed that what I was doing for a living was not worth the trouble. He said, there is no God. And I thought, how sad, how sad. The poor guy has nothing to look forward to except pushing up dirt and daisies. And that doesn't sound like any fun. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to be in the ground when they put me, the carcass that is, in the ground. I'm going to be with the Lord of life. Jesus told his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. In one version it says mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself. Where I am, you may be also. I looked at that atheist and I saw that he did not have a sparkle in his eyes. There was no sparkle. I think what he really wanted to do was to argue with me. And perhaps that's all he had left to live for, was to argue. So I truly was sad for him, and I wished him well. And I went on my way vowing to pray for him, which I did for a very long time. Friends, that's not what the resurrection is all about. It's about I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Pastor Daniel read the words of of the Apostle Paul a little bit ago. It's a promise. Paul experienced it. He has transferred us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of light in his son, Jesus Christ. That's what the resurrection did. That's why Mary and her friends ran back from the tomb to tell the other disciples. That's why Peter couldn't help but run and see if these things were so. And that's what those 500 people did. And I can attest to you that throughout the centuries, people of faith and purpose and hope have proclaimed the message over and over and over again down through the centuries, I know that my Redeemer lives. Why? Bonnie, you've told me this so many times. You don't always remember that. But Bonnie has told me, I know he lives. Because he lives within my heart. Thank you, Bonnie, for that testimony. Thank you all. 
I hereby give you permission to take the strength from the empty tomb and to take it with you and let it inform your living and let it inform your forever.